What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the We Know Ball podcast, episode 65. My name is Ryan. We got a fantastic, fantastic episode for you guys today. College football week five in the books. NFL week four, minus one game in the books. Lots to talk about. We love talking football and we like talking baseball a little bit on this one because we may say a little bit for the we know baseball podcast, the playoffs are starting for Major League Baseball tomorrow. But as of right now, today, October 2nd, 2023, we're talking football to start off the show. We're going to go college to NFL with some talking points along the way, like we always like to do. Did I say episode 65 already? If I didn't, now I did. Episode 65. Oh boy, lots to talk about in the world of football, both college and in the NFL. We will start with college and we'll go from the top of the board all the way down to the bottom of the board. What I mean by top of the board to the bottom is the rankings. Number one, all the way down to number 25, and then we'll take a look at the schedule for next week in the college football world, and we'll look at the AP rankings, see where they decided to put some of these teams, but ultimately, uh, it was a relatively uneventful week, I think, right? Let's go over it. Number one, Georgia. They went to Auburn, first road game for Carson Beck and that non-battle-tested Georgia Bulldogs team, and they barely got out of there, man. They barely, barely got out of there. They won 27-20. to 20. They were down, or they were tied, I guess, 10-10 to 10 at half. Uh, they did enough to win the game. I think it was a lot of uh, Auburn just kind of moments too big, can't handle big situations, and they lose 27 to 20. Georgia wins 27 to 20. Georgia's 5 and 0, 2 and 0 in the SEC. Not, not sure who they play next week, but uh, I mean, it was a solid win for Georgia. But I don't know. I don't know. Georgia so far this year has just not impressed me. They really haven't. Um, it's nothing personal. I got nothing against those guys. I mean, but at the end of the day, man, uh, I, I, I don't know. It just they're not, they're not really blowing me away with their ability. They're just not. Carson Beck's a good quarterback, but is he? You know, that's what I mean. Georgia's a good team, but are they? Really interesting. Number two, Michigan takes on Nebraska, beats them 45 to seven at Nebraska, just blows their doors off. I mean, it was just never, it was never a game. 
Nebraska stinks. Michigan's very solid. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan's going to be there at the end. Number three, Texas, uh, in a top 25 matchup against number 24, Kansas. They beat them 40 to 14. Texas scores double-digit points in three out of the four quarters. Quinn Ewers looks decent, good enough. Kansas, you know, a little bit skewed on their ranking, I think, having them up at 24. They may have dropped, and we will see. Number six, Penn State struggled a little bit with Northwestern on the road. Uh, it was 10 to 10 at half. Penn State opens it up in the second half, and good news for Penn State. And for people who are evaluating talent, and this can be said about a game we're going to talk about here shortly, but there's four quarters in a football game, right? People are like, oh, my God, but they were tied at half. Oh, but it was close for the first three quarters. Cool. What was the final score? And I understand in college football, it's important to evaluate not just teams and winning games, but how they win games, right? especially when there's only four teams in the college football playoff. Now that in and of itself, sort of the evaluation of how teams are going to win or how teams win throughout the year, uh, that will change slightly with the 12 team playoff coming into effect in 2024. But as of right now, you got Penn state, like I said, unranked Northwestern team, bad Northwestern team and they're tied with them 10 to 10 at half and they end up winning the game 41 to 13. So look at that score and you're like, Oh yeah. I mean, Michigan, I mean, uh, Penn state killed them. It's like, yes, but also no, but also yes. So yeah, it, it, the bottom line for Penn state is they're five and oh, they're three and oh in big 10 play. They're number six ranked in the country they were, and they're going to maintain, uh, you know, a just a wide open shot at the college football playoff. As I take a sip of my coffee here, number seven, Washington takes on an unranked Arizona team, beats them 31 to 24. Seven point game. That's a game right there. You talk about how did a team win? I don't know off the top of my head what the new AP rankings are for or after this college football slate of games, but I can tell you Washington, they they might have dropped. You win by seven points against the bad Arizona team. Uh, you give up 24 points to a bad Arizona team, you might drop. On that topic, going from Washington to USC versus Colorado, number eight, USC, unranked Colorado USC beats them 48 to 41. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of these Pac-12 teams. I mean, you got number eight USC beating Colorado 48, 41. You got number nine, Oregon beating Stanford 42 to six. It it's hard for me to evaluate these quarterbacks because everyone's losing their mind over Caleb Williams. Everyone's losing their mind over Michael Penix Jr. Bo Nix. Oh my gosh, look at his stats. Yeah, no question. These guys have good stats this year. There's no doubt about it. But are they good quarterbacks or are the defenses in college football and more specifically in the Pac-12 absolute garbage? The defenses in the Pac-12, at least from what I've seen, are 
worthless. They're worthless. You got a team like USC and, oh, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, and they're undefeated. They aren't good. Their offense is great, but their defense is not good. And the same can be said across the Pac-12 conference and a lot of college football for that matter. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, in this year's college football, 2023, I would rather have a quarterback who has really good numbers in a conference like the Big Ten over a quarterback that has stupid, crazy, out-of-this-world video game numbers in a conference like the Pac-12. I would. I mean, everyone's sitting there talking about, oh my gosh, Caleb Williams transcending. He's going to be... I don't think Caleb Williams is that amazing. I think he's really, really good. He's a really talented athlete. He has a great arm. He's very accurate. He's a really big kid. And he's projecting to be very talented in the NFL. But to me, the comparisons between Caleb Williams and Patrick Mahomes or the comparisons between, you know, Caleb Williams and some of the other best quarterbacks in the league, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. And I think a big determining factor of that is the defenses that Caleb Williams and in general, these college football quarterbacks are facing this year are garbage, garbage defenses. I mean, sit down and watch that USC Colorado game back in its entirety. The tackling is horrible. Caleb Williams had almost no pressure the entire game. And if you're playing against the defense that can't tackle, that can't get after the quarterback, that doesn't know how to play proper zone coverage, that leaves guys wide open all game long, you're going to put up good numbers. And good for Caleb Williams. He did it. 400 yards, six touchdowns. My point is those numbers, those stats that he's putting up, those video game numbers, they're a little bit inflated. And the defenses in the Pac-12 especially are horrendous. And last year, you saw Caleb Williams, you saw USC stroll through their schedule and then play a team that was a little bit more physical than them, that had a better line of scrimmage presence, knew how to play proper defense, knew how to ran the ball, run the ball in between the tackles in a Utah team, and they got killed. Then they played him again in the Pac-12 championship, and they got killed. And then they played Tulane, Tulane, the powerhouse Tulane. No, the Tulane team that had a, an incredible year, but also played really good at the line of scrimmage, physically dominated USC the entire game, and they beat USC. So I'll be very curious to see where USC ends up here uh, after they have to go through their schedule. I think next next week they play some garbage team, but then they got to play Notre Dame. Notre Dame is physical. Notre Dame is a line of scrimmage football team with a very talented, very poised, very mature, very experienced quarterback in Sam Hartman. Caleb Williams is flash, all flash, all the time. 
He's very talented. He has a great arm. He's a big kid. But at least from what I've seen, anytime he's faced an actual defense, like an actually talented line of scrimmage, poised, confident defensive team that's as or more physical than they are, he hasn't looked great. And USC has not looked great, especially with Lincoln Riley. And the same thing could be said with Washington. Oh, they're five and oh. Oh, uh, Michael Penix is putting up crazy video game numbers. Yes, but also against who? And also, Washington is giving up a jillion points every game. I mean, the story of week five in college football is defense, optional. Just optional. You can play defense. If you do, you'll probably be better off. But ultimately, you just don't need to. Just go score. And I'm not sure I love that. I'm not sure I love that direction in general. I mean, that's how football is trending as a sport, especially with new rules and protecting the quarterback and the, the tackling rules and player safety. And I get all that. I think that's important. You got to protect the quarterback. And in general, you got to protect the players. Don't lead with the crown of the helmet. Keep your head up, et cetera. I get it. I, I, I am generally in favor of that. But what I'm not in favor of is uh 55 to 49 final score between two sec top 25 teams i don't know if i love that usc colorado 48 to 41 uh it's it's fun to watch but it's like is it right is it i understand that's college football but same can be said in the nfl people watch the nfl it's not hard to see like Man, that is a touchy foul. Nothing the passer. I don't know about that. You know, personal foul. Uh, it just looks like a good hit to me. I know that's the direction of football, but why is defense just gone? I mean, it's just gone. It's crazy. Talked about USC, Colorado, Oregon, uh, Notre Dame, and Duke. Number 11, Notre Dame. Number 17, Duke. Another top 25 matchup. Notre Dame finishes 21 to 14. Uh, wait, uh, late go-ahead drive. Sam Hartman for Notre Dame converts with his legs on like a fourth and 16. Notre Dame ultimately outlasts Duke. Um, I think the inexperience of Marcus Freeman has showed itself a number of times this year. At Notre Dame, I think he's a very smart guy, good coach, respected by his team. Uh, but he just seems a little bit deer in headlights for me, especially in these big-time situations, these big games, these crunch-time situations. I mean, we saw Notre Dame having 10 guys on the field against Ohio State on back-to-back -back plays to end the game. Then against Duke, a team that I think they should have handled a lot more comfortably. They come out of there with a, a last-second go-ahead score, and it wins a win, and I get it. Uh, but Notre Dame and USC, again, we talked about that. They play each other in two weeks. That is going to be a really good test for both, both teams. It's going to be an awesome test for both teams because USC is going to play a real defense in Notre Dame, 
and Notre Dame's going to play a talented football team in USC. It'll be interesting to see. I think it's at Notre Dame too, which that's big time for Notre Dame. Uh, but they beat Duke. Number 13, LSU takes on number 20, Ole Miss. Ole Miss at home beats them 55 to 49. 55 to 49. Uh, I mean, exciting game, uh, you know, fun to watch, um, you know, lots of points, Ole Miss storms the field, but I, I, I don't think either of those teams, uh, are even remotely close to being a threat to anybody. I mean, they don't play defense. They just don't, uh, I mean, if Ole Miss or LSU ends up playing Georgia at any point this year, I, I mean, Georgia's going to just kill them. I mean, and maybe not kill them, but it's going to be like 27 to 13, Georgia. Because they play good defense. Uh, Georgia's offense, obviously, we've talked about it a number of times. It's not the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Uh, Carson Beck isn't amazing, but I mean, 55 to 49. I mean, what, like, what are we doing? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't love it, but it's fine. Uh, number 14, Oklahoma beats Iowa state 50 to 20. We did skip over Alabama. Who's number 12. I got him at the top of my list here as my favorite team. Uh, number 12, Alabama beats Mississippi state 40 to 17. They're starting to look better. They're starting to play better defense. Uh, Alabama is similar to Georgia in terms of, well, in, in the early parts of the year, it didn't look like it, but I think the identities for Alabama and Georgia are very similar. You're going to get average to above average quarterback play. You're going to have a uh, good running back talent. You're going to be able to run the ball pretty decently. Um, and you're going to play good defense. Uh, Georgia, I think has the edge there in terms of, Carson Beck is accurate enough and the weapons they have on offense with Brock Bowers and the other tight end they got at Georgia. Plus their defense is good. I think they're better than Alabama. Uh, but Alabama has Jalen Milrow, man. And Milrow, I mean, he, he can run the football and run the football and their defense has shaped up and played a lot better in the last couple of weeks. Uh, like I said, let's see, Oklahoma played Iowa state, beat them 50 to 20, uh, number 21, Tennessee played South Carolina, beat them 41 to 20. Okay. Uh, number 22, Florida, just disgustingly high ranked team in Florida played an unranked Kentucky, Kentucky killed them 33 to 14. Kentucky's five and zero, and they're two and zero in the sec Kentucky, uh, again, might just kind of be a little sneaky. Good. I mean, the running back for Kentucky, how about 26 carries for 280 and three touchdowns? What? That's, yeah, I mean, that's 10 yards a carry, right? Close to it. That's that's more than that, actually. That's crazy. I mean, Florida, like, well, are you good? Are you not good? I, I don't. You kill Tennessee at home, and then, God forbid, you got to go play on the road, and you get destroyed. Uh, number 23, Missouri played Vanderbilt. 
and beat them. And number 25, Fresno State. How about that? Fresno State played Nevada 27-9. Fresno State should be in the top 25. Uh, let's look at the AP top 25 before we look at the schedule for next week. Top four didn't change. A couple teams in the top 25 didn't play this week. Uh, but let's see. So Georgia one, Michigan two, Texas three, Ohio State stays at four, Florida State stays at five, Washington. I'm sorry, Penn State stays at six, Washington stays at seven, Oregon jumps USC as they should. Oregon jumps to eight, USC drops to nine. USC's five and zero. Oh, they keep winning, and yet every week they just keep dropping. And I think I'm not alone in that sentiment about their defense is horrendous. I mean, it's a horrendous defense. Notre Dame up from 11 to 10. Alabama up from 12 to 11. Oklahoma's up to 12. Washington State is up to 13. North Carolina's up to 14. Oregon State's up to 15. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oregon State beat Utah. Yep, on Friday. Uh, Ole Miss is up to four, uh, up four spots to number 16. Miami is at 17. Utah drops all the way from 10 to 18. Duke drops to number 19. Kentucky stays at number 20. Stays at number 20. It looks like I thought they were unranked. Yeah, it doesn't say they're ranked here on ESPN. Regardless, Kentucky, oh, I think they were unranked before. Now they're, now they're up to number 20. So, yeah, interesting. Um, Missouri is up to 21. Tennessee is at 22. LSU drops from 13 all the way to number 23. Fresno State is up to number 24, and Louisville is up to number 25. So Florida drops out of the top 25. Uh, Maryland look like, looks like they're getting a lot of votes. Uh, Kansas State's getting a lot of votes. A&M. Uh, A&M's not ranked. Interesting. Maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. Let's look at the scoreboard for next week. There's a few really, really, really good games. There's a few snoozers. Uh, let's see. Week six, college football. Uh, I mean, uh, unquestionably, you know, game of the week is a Red River showdown. Uh, number 12, Oklahoma. Number three, Texas. Both teams are undefeated. 5-0 and and 2-0 and in the Big 12. Should be a good game. Uh, I like Texas in that one, but, I mean, you never know. Never know with college football. Uh, other top 25 matchups. Number one, Georgia taking on number 20, Kentucky. What a bad break for Kentucky. They go out of the top 25. Big win into the top 25 at number 20, undefeated Kentucky. And you got to play Georgia at Georgia. That's brutal. Uh, and I think that's it. Yeah, that's the only top 25 matchups. Um, other notable games. Number 11, Alabama at Texas A&M. Uh, that should be a good one. And Alabama's favored by three points. They might lose that game. Uh, let's see. Other tight matchups here. Number 13, UCLA. I'm sorry. Scratch that. Number 13, Washington State. is Taking on unranked UCLA. However, UCLA is favored by three points. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, oh, oh, the other top 25 matchup. I knew there was another one. 
number 10 Notre Dame taking on number 25 Louisville. So that should be, uh, it's a quality, you know, if Notre Dame can win that game, that's another quality win. Only strengthening their case going into next week against USC. Interesting. Other than that, a bunch of sleepers, a bunch of snoozer games. No other ranked matchups, and they're all touchdown or more spreads. Oh, uh, well, I keep saying no other ranked matchups, and then I find one. Number 23, LSU, at number 21, Missouri. Let's root for Missouri in that one because LSU is just horrible. They're just a horrible team. They have good good offensive players, but they don't have defense. So, a couple of good games next week, but the best game is definitely uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Red River Showdown. It should be awesome. should be an awesome, awesome atmosphere, awesome game, two really good teams. See what happens. Moving on to the NFL. Thursday night football, baby. Lions, Packers, Lions take down the pack. 34-20. Uh-oh, Packers. No, Lions are good, man. Lions are really good. Like, I think the Lions are a very... Very solid team. Very solid team. Lions are now three and one. Packers two and two. Should be fine. Uh, let's see. Sunday, Broncos get their first one of the year, beat the Bears 31-28. Bears are 0-4. Bears are on pace for the top two picks in the NFL draft, which is crazy. Uh, London game, Jags beat the Falcons 23 to 7. Bills, Bills kill the Dolphins 48 to 20. Wanted to talk about that game quickly because after 70 points last week, lots of offensive weapons, high powered production, 3 0 start. Lots of hype for the Dolphins. And they have talented players. They have a great offense. But Mike McDaniel went with the Pac-12 college football approach this year, which is absolutely sling the rock everywhere, put everybody in motion on every play, score as many points as possible, and then also try to play defense, but whatever. Anyways, let's score points. As it turns out, that doesn't work. Now, do I think the Dolphins are done and forever, whatever, freaking out? Of course not. They're going to be good. The Dolphins will be fine. But the Buffalo Bills are a well-rounded team. They got a good offense. They got a good defense. And that's what happens when the Bills play the Dolphins is the Bills beat them 48-20. to You could see it from the onset that the Dolphins main allocation of resources was to the offense and they have great players most third and HN and Tua, Tyreek Hill all these guys running a billion miles an hour all in motion every time and then they play on the road against a team with a good defense and they kind of get exposed and the narrative in the NFL after this week went from Dolphins AFC favorites 
to, mm, I don't know. Dolphins got a lot of work to do. And in one game between the Bills and the Dolphins, everything flipped. And it went from the Dolphins are unstoppable to the Bills might be the best team in the AFC. That week one loss to the Jets was pretty fluky. Week one jitters is what it is. Josh Allen clean up his game a little bit. And next thing you know, the Bills are dominant again. So good for the Bills. Dolphins. Got to play defense, man, or you won't sniff even a conference championship game. Unless you can just, if, if you can't stop anything, I mean, no question that Josh Allen and Diggs and, and the Buffalo offense is high-powered, but you can't give up 48 points in a game and ever expect to win. And I don't know if the Bills will give up 48 the entire year. Uh, Ravens beat the Browns 28 to three Tennessee Titans beat the Bengals 27 to three. If the Bengals, man, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, Burrow, like, is he hurt? Is he not hurt? Um, can they play defense? Can they not play defense? Again, I mean, they give up 27 points to a Titans offense. That's just really not great. Tannehill's not great. I mean, Derrick Henry's a beast. Everyone knows that. But, I mean, look at the Titans' first three games. I don't know what they scored, but it was all less than 20 and then 27. Bengals might be in trouble, man. Might be in trouble. Rams beat the Colts 29-23. Not much to say there. Decent game overall. Uh, Puka Nakua for the Rams receiver. Guy's a monster. I mean, anybody who's got him in fantasy, you're stoked. Bucks beat the Saints 26-9. Uh, Eagles beat the Commanders 34-31. Had to go to overtime. Uh, Eagles, ultimately, they win the game. Uh, we've seen the Eagles struggle a little bit this season, and everybody wants to immediately jump and go, oh, this isn't the same Eagles team. Oh, they're struggling. Oh, they're giving up more points. Why is that the main takeaway? Because for me, the takeaway is these guys just find a way to win every week. Doesn't matter who they play. Doesn't matter how they get it done. Jalen Hurts is a winner. The Eagles find a way to win. And by the way, they're undefeated. And that's all that matters in the NFL. It's not college football where oh, you have to win by a certain amount to get into the play. Win's a win, dude. Eagles are 4-0. Why is it anything else than that? Yeah, and you know what? They need some work on offense. They need some work on defense. They're not entirely a polished finished product yet, and everybody can see that. And they still win. They're still 4-0. They beat some pretty good teams. They battled. 
most people can agree they haven't looked their absolute best this year. And yet they're winning. It's all that matters in the NFL. Vikings beat the Panthers 21 to 13. Uh, that thank God, right? Because I like the Vikings and I want them to be good, but they're just not. Uh, Texans beat the Steelers 30 to 6. That was the most predictable game of all time. Chargers beat the Raiders. 24 to 17. Chargers and Raiders. The battle of What would you call the Chargers and Raiders? I'll tell you. The Chargers and the Raiders facing off is the battle of which city doesn't want a football team more. Because you got the Las Vegas Raiders. Hold on. No, no, no. That's what I wanted to clarify here. Yeah, I, 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 I had a hard time because I was trying to quantify. So you've got. You've got the Las Vegas Raiders, previously of Oakland, moving to Las Vegas, playing against the Los Angeles Chargers, previously of San Diego, who've moved to Los Angeles, playing in Los Angeles as the home team against the Las Vegas Raiders. But there's more Raiders fans in L.A. at the Chargers game than there are Chargers fans at... Dude, my main takeaway from that game, Chargers, Raiders in L.A., there's more Raiders fans in LA than anywhere in the entire world. And then when you see the Raiders play at home in Las Vegas, it's not a home game for them either. I mean, the NFL's got this whole Raiders to LA, the Chargers to, or uh, Raiders to Vegas, the Chargers to LA, but they're Sandy, but it's so backwards, dude. It's so backwards. And I know the NFL could not care less and just wants money, 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 money all the time forever. but. I mean, Chargers are playing not just eight or nine road games a year, man. These guys are playing 10, 12, 14 road games a year. And the Raiders have more fans in L.A. than apparently anywhere else, including their own home city of Las Vegas. It makes no sense to me. It's so weird. And it's just weird vibes in that game. Chargers, Raiders. You got backup quarterback for the Raiders. Should be a blowout. Chargers are loaded, but their guys are also injured. Where is Austin Eckler? What's going on? It's in LA. Raiders get a first down. Crowd goes crazy. Chargers are on offense. Have to use a silent count, but they're in LA. And then the Raiders have to use a silent count when they play their home games. It's like so weird, man. What is happening with those teams? It's weird, dude. Weird game. Weird situation. Raiders have fans in LA and they don't have fans in Vegas. I whatever, dude. Whatever. Cowboys destroy the Patriots 38 to 3. Patriots are a joke. Mac Jones is not a good quarterback. Bill Belichick's coming to the end of his tenure. Uh yeah, interesting. But not really. But yeah. Uh, 49ers play the Cardinals. 49ers beat the Cardinals 35 to 16. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 20 carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns. Can we do something about this guy, McCaffrey? Can we do something about this? 
I mean, seriously, seriously. You you have to put like five pound weights around each one of his ankles to like make it even with the teams he's playing against. Because the 49ers on offense, they just take the snap and then just flip it to McCaffrey, hand it to McCaffrey, throw it to McCaffrey. And he'll get the ball in open space out in the open and in the flat across the middle. And just like jumps over a guy, jukes a guy, spins around a guy. It's like he's button mashing on a controller on rookie mode. The guy's a joke, dude. And not that I want him to not do well. I'm just saying, like, in order to make it even for the other teams, you're going to have to put, like, weights in his cleats or give him a weighted vest or something. Because otherwise, the dude is just... I don't think we've seen anybody like him in a long time. And the fact that the... Panthers just like gave him away for a couple picks. I mean, I know the Panthers as an organization were were going a certain direction and 49ers had the draft capital, but like Christian McCaffrey is he's crazy, dude. He's like the best player ever. He's crazy. And it looks like he's like not even trying or like going full speed on a lot of plays. And he's just just torturing whoever he plays against. And the worst part about it, if you're an opponent against the 49ers, it's like, all right, we'll just put a linebacker, a safety, and a corner all on Christian McCaffrey every play. It's like, but they have Debo, and they have George Kittle, and they have Brandon Ayuk, and Brock Purdy can run a little bit. Use check ain't that bad. They got weapons Everywhere, everywhere. It's wild, dude. 49ers, it is. McCaffrey's crazy, but in general, because the defense they play, it's, it's the 49ers Super Bowl this year, 2023. It's the 49ers Super Bowl to lose this season. I mean, that right now they're Super Bowl champions. They are. It's over. You got to find somebody else has to find a way to somehow get in their way. But they're already NFC West champs. They're probably already in the conference championship game. And they're probably already NFC champs. It's kind of just a matter of who do the 49ers play in the Super Bowl in the AFC. And is there a team that can match up with the 49ers and potentially beat them? My answer is that no shot. I mean, there hasn't been one team in the NFL. There's some good teams on the other side. The Bills are really solid. The Eagles are a really good team. But the 49ers, it's just like, it, it feels like a train, a freight train coming down the tracks at a thousand miles an hour. And there's nothing you can do to stop the momentum. I mean, every time I touch the ball, they score. And on defense, it's like they'll give up 17 or less every game. Every game. They're crazy, 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 crazy. And Shanahan's an excellent head coach. The organization is ran like a well-oiled machine. Their fan base is nationally recognized as one of the best. And it's it honestly, it's their Super Bowl to lose this year. 
It really is. 49ers are nuts. Nuts, nuts, nuts. Uh, tonight's game, Monday Night Football, is Seahawks at Giants. Seahawks minus two. That's what I got. Uh, I'm going to take that for tonight's game. And then lastly, of course, the biggest storyline of them all is the Jets and Chiefs game. So, Chiefs beat the Jets 23-20. to 20. Uh, The NFL is really, 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 really leaning into this whole Taylor Swift thing. And I'm okay with it. Uh, a lot of people are losing their marbles over it. And I just don't think it's that serious. Uh, it's just not a big deal. It's two people who just want to be in a relationship together. My problem is when the NFL changes their Twitter header and their Instagram bio, and it's the only thing you see and hear about for the entire pregame coverage, the NFL has to be careful because they cannot, they cannot beat a dead horse. They can't overkill this situation. And the more they do that, the more the NFL just absolutely hammers this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey situation. And the more Taylor Swift starts bringing random ass celebrities who are not fans of either one of the teams, the more the relationship starts to look a little bit contrived. It looks a little bit calculated. I don't love that. Uh, If they can just, not make it the main thing all the time, then I'm very happy for Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. It looks great. Looks like they're happy together. Uh, but if it, if the game on Sunday night could not be what it was for the first quarter, where it was like, okay, Chiefs and Jets, Taylor Swift is here. Travis Kelsey is there. We're in New York City. Here's all these Taylor Swift puns. There's Travis Kelsey. Game starts. First down, Travis Kelsey. There's Taylor Swift. Injury timeout will go to commercial. Commercial for Taylor Swift's movie. Commercial with Travis Travis Kelsey in it. Another commercial with Taylor Swift and American Express. Another commercial with Travis Kelsey. All right, we're back to the game coverage. Oh, look, there's Taylor Swift in the booth. And pass to Travis Kelsey, first down. Like that, it's a, it's, it's a lot, dude. It's overkill. It's a lot. I, 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 I'm not, two people can be together and happy and everything's great. But there has to be a little bit, a little bit of a calibration from the league, from the coverage, from everybody involved. Uh, Cause it is going to get old really quick. If they don't just dial it back a little bit, just dial it back. I'm all in them. Everyone should be happy. Everyone get together and all be dating and great. But bro, let's cool it just a little bit. Let's cool it. And it's fine. Like I, I'm all in for, I'm all in for the, the pregame, you know, NBC. Welcome to New York. And it's the, you know, the broadcast going through their pregame thing. And it's like, well, Let's just make sure the Chiefs are fearless and they can't give up 22. And they get like, they're making all these tests with, okay, I'm in. That's funny. Ha ha ha. I'm in. But, <laughs> dude, hold, just dial it back a little bit. A little bit. Also, last takeaway here before we sign off here, this episode 65. Also, as the Chiefs do beat the Jets 23 to 20. 
uh zach wilson is like good like he's like really good i'd argue if you took zach wilson and you took brock purdy and you swapped them just stone cold just straight up trade put zach wilson in the 49ers offense and you put brock purdy in the jets offense zach wilson would be undefeated just like brock purdy is and vice versa brock purdy would probably be one and three on the jets jets have some offensive line issues jets you know have a young quarterback a new system a new head coach they were expected to have rogers and a lot of complicated moving parts for zach wilson I mean, if you ask me, you watch Zach Wilson on Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs, he made some elite throws, like high, high, high-level throws. Like, I'm talking top 10 quarterback throws. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I don't think Zach Wilson's a top 10 quarterback, but he made some great throws. And then on the plays where he'd take the snap under center, fake the handoff, drop back, five-step drop, good protection, he didn't miss anything. I mean, boom, 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 laser down the field, in the chest, had some balls dropped. And then he fumbles a snap. Yeah, it was a pretty costly turnover, but it was a mistake. Mistakes happen, and he owns up to it after the game. He doesn't pout. He's not over there with a towel on his head. He handled himself very professionally. Might have overdone it a little bit with the accountability thing, and it's on me, whatever. But I'd rather have that for my quarterback than a guy who just pouts or a guy who doesn't take accountability not that i'm not i'm not naming anybody in particular i'm just saying he's handled himself very professionally he's also stepped into a pretty tough situation i mean he looked like crap against uh, the new england defense but that's just bill belichick he's an all-time head coach scheming against a very young quarterback who's starting and playing in a new system in a situation where he wasn't expecting to be the quarterback belichick just took advantage of it in bad conditions blah 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 you know you make excuses i get it but Zach Wilson is good. I mean, like, watch the game and tell me he doesn't have the ability to be really good. So if the Jets can get Aaron Rodgers back, whether it's this year or next year, and Zach Wilson's able to continue to gain that experience as a backup to Aaron Rodgers, learn the system a little bit more, the Jets improve on the offensive line, uh, they'll be fine. Like, if I'm a Jets fan... Yeah, you know, probably don't win the Super Bowl this year. But, like, okay. 49ers already won it anyways. Let's develop this kid. He's got Rodgers overlooking him until potentially he comes back apparently this year. Or Rodgers comes back next year, plays the whole year, plays a lot. Whatever. Zach Wilson will step in, dude. High expectations for that guy. We're talking Jets Super Bowl 2024? Maybe? 2025? Maybe? Zach Wilson could definitely do it. He's a good quarterback, man. He's a good, good quarterback. I like Zach Wilson a lot. I think his, his decision-making is fine. He misses a few throws here and there, but who doesn't, man? He's, he's tough, too. He takes shots, man. Anyways, that's going to wrap it up, guys. Episode 46. I'm sorry. 65. 46. Where did I get 46 from? I don't know where I got 46 from. But it's episode 65. Episode 65 of the We Know Ball podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you guys aren't following on social media, be sure to do so. At We Know Ball Sports, Instagram, TikTok. My handle on Twitter is at Ryan Knows Ball. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that is greatly appreciated. 
be sure to hit me up on social media at any point. Love interacting with any and everybody that listens to the show. And otherwise, we'll catch you guys next time on the We Know Ball podcast. Peace out.